1: Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and we're going to be looking over match day two as it's completed. So let's start, as we have done the other weeks, with the results of the weekend. On Friday night, we've seen Hannover holds Borussia Dortmund nil-nil. Are Favre's problems starting to appear straight away? Well, we'll be discussing that in a little bit, but moving on before we get to that. Frankfurt were at home to Werner Bremen. Werner Bremen getting a fantastic away victory 2-1. Yep, the curse of Manu Vett has struck upon Bayer Leverkusen as they fell to Wolfsburg 3-1, their worst start in over 20 years. Julian Nagelsmann, Hoffenheim managed to recover well after their opening day loss at 3-1. We Over Freiburg, we see Osberg draw with Borussia Mönchengladbach Nuremberg and draw 1-1. Stuttgart, well, things didn't quite go to plan for them as Champions Bayern managed to beat them 3-0 away from home. On Sunday, then, we've seen RB Leipzig struggle after European qualification 1-1 to Dusseldorf. And then Schalke, well, things have not started the way that they would have planned, losing to Hertha Berlin at home 2-0. So what topics will we be discussing today? Well, I've mentioned some already. We're going to speak about Dortmund dropping points already. What does this mean exactly for Favre's project? Um, Uh, Bayern, yep, as I mentioned, Manu predicted that they could possibly be champions this year. Things have not went well after two straight defeats. Uh, Bayern dominates Stuttgart. Leipzig struggle, as I mentioned, um, to follow up uh, a qualification in Europe against uh, Düsseldorf. We'll have to see what they've managed to do on the final days of the transfer window. Uh, Schalke. Yep, lost two in a row. Has Tedesco been found out? Also, we're going to talk about the German and national team start on Thursday against France. Guys, uh, we don't have Chris Williams with us, uh, uh, unfortunately, this week, but we've filled his shoes uh, massively with two other guests. So I'll introduce, as always, Manu Vett. Manu, you're joining me, as always.
2: Yeah, as always. I'm always here. Um, don't have anything else to do. No, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this podcast. We have some interesting topics. And, um, I guess I, I also have to admit that I may have gotten by a, a little, a little wrong. Just a tiny bit. Maybe.
1: Yes, who would have thought things could go so badly for Bar Leverkusen already? But um, you probably heard in the background uh, a voice there. The newest uh, member to the uh, football grad team in Matthew Marshall. Uh, Matthew, um, thank you for coming on the pod. First time on here. I I suppose for anyone that doesn't know him, well, you're going to have to find out his Twitter feed and start following with all the live videos uh, from the stadium. But uh, Matthew... Tell us a little bit about yourself. How have you ended up getting such a gig?
3: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, As you can probably hear, I'm born in Australia and uh, was involved in football, had a radio show going on over there in Sydney for a while and uh, lived in Portugal for a while also. Got into the European football pretty heavily there and uh, met a fantastic lady very recently who happened to uh, be moving to Bonn. And uh, so I came over to Germany to be with her and uh, got involved in the football. So very happy to be attending games
1: now and uh, seeing things firsthand. Fantastic. Yeah, and we really appreciate having you on board with the football grad team. But uh, joining Matthew... Manu and I is, well, I've got all the M's today, actually, I've just noticed. Uh, we're bringing back someone that's been on um, the second half of last season, and we're honoured to have him back on here, is Mark Lovell. Mark, how have you been since we last spoke to
4: you? Thanks, Bryce. Yeah, it's good to be on again. I had a had a good summer, a good World Cup. Um, the cricket's been good, a lot of golf, a lot of tennis. It's great, and uh, started the season Bayern winning. Situation normal.
2: Uh, Mark, I have to remind you, you're a German citizen now, so the World Cup wasn't great.
4: Well, I'm actually both, yeah. So I can. Uh, <laughs> I was very happy that England um, outperformed expectations and uh, reached the semi-finals. They should. Let's be honest, you know. And I, I blame myself if I'm uh, if I'm really truthful, because I started looking at flights to moscow during halftime and that put the real jinx on it and uh they never recovered
1: (laughs) don't don't blame yourself don't beat yourself up so much more um there'll be plenty more opportunities for England, i'm sure but um Mm. guys let's get back to domestic football uh, and and talk german football uh, more importantly um Manu, we watched uh, Dortmund on Friday night um, slip up, second game of the season. Um, Well, what exactly does uh, dropping two points uh, mean for Favre and and his men? Is is it unraveling already?
2: No. That's a (laughs) long long answer, really short. No, uh, come on. I mean, we all knew that the way Lucien Favre plays football will take time. And he has reminded us countless times on television, on radio, um, uh, newspaper articles that please, please, please give us time. That's basically the bottom line. I think that, I think that when you look at this game in particular, it wasn't a great performance by Borussia Dortmund, but I think it was also the sort of performance where they had last year, they would have slipped up. And when you look at the chances that they create, I mean, Marco Reus, um, who was denied, um, quickfire, what denied, just before halftime, right? Um, had S, es- Essa turned away a shot from him with um, toe poke and then he hit the crossbar I mean those are the kind of games of course you have to win if you want to win the championship um, but I think the way I see the season going big teams will slip up points left right and center because I think that the league in general has become tighter now of course um I think that In general, this, this is, this is, this is just a growing pain game. And I think when you look at the build up, it was still very slow. They, um, the, the paths, the running paths weren't just 100%. And as much as Hannover's game is not an example of where Dortmund is right now, just like the Leipzig game wasn't an example of where Dortmund are right now in terms of development. I think it's, it's some, the truth is somewhere in the middle at the moment.
4: Yeah, it was a game like Manu said that Dortmund would probably have lost last season um, when they were totally, you know, chaotic and no organisation. Uh, it was a deserved point for Hanover. Um, you know, even Stevens, fifty-four percent possession for Hanover, forty-six for Dortmund, seven shots on goal for Hanover, eight for Dortmund. So a draw was a Fair result, and Bobby Wood, of course, could have nicked it at the end for Hanover. Um, he needs to do better there. So, you know, I think expectations were that Dortmund, after their you know big win against Leipzig to start the season, that they could go over to Hanover and roll roll them over easy. But it's not quite that simple. And um, you know, Favre is not going to play expansive football out on his travels. It's going to be tight. You know, they're going to try and play on the break, even against the, you know, the lower lights of the Bundesliga.
2: Yeah, he's very Lubanowski esque in his approach, right? Win all your home games and get a point on the road. That's, I mean, he's very calculated. He's very calculative when it comes to his approach to football.
4: Yeah, it should be fine if they want to qualify for, you know, the Europa League places again, you know. (laughs) But, you know, I think everyone in Germany and German football wants them to challenge. Uh, Bayern for the title, you know, but that's not, sadly, I don't see that happening for a couple of seasons.
1: I mean, if if we bring Matthew into this as, as well, just to discuss uh, Dortmund, I mean, we look at them dropping points, second game, uh, and and you think that, yes, it's early days, it's only the second game of the season, but already, you know, they're points behind Bayern. And d- d- does this ultimately mean that, you know, they've, they've slipped up, have let let go of any possibility of catching Bayern already or 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 is it a bit too early?
3: Uh, it's too early days. I mean, I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm pretty confident they'll still be able to secure second spot. This is a long-term project and and Favre's going Favre is going to need time here with the uh, you know new central defensive partnership with Kanji Diallo. You know, the central midfield is looking pretty good with Witzel and Delaney coming in and and having a, a good impact already Dahoud you know, it looks like he, he might have a good season under his former manager. And so many options up front for, for Favre with uh, Paco Alcacer uh, coming in. You know, Marius Wolf didn't have a great game. Maybe he might have needed a bit more time to to get used to things. But, you know, with Pulisic and Sancho, there's options all over the place here for, for Dortmund. And I've got no doubts that they'll finish comfortable top four. And I'll be surprised if they didn't finish second, to be honest.
2: Uh, I mean I'm even surprised if they didn't finish first. I, I totally disagree with Mark. I but we'll get to talk to talk about Bayern a little bit later. Um but I just I, the first two games that Bayern played didn't hundred percent convince me either.
4: Well it's good. I look forward to having a constructive chat with you, Manu, about that.
1: <laughs> well just to go back to to dormant, um I I mean uh Matthew if, if if we speak about you, know, the the performers, you talk about you know, you know Alcacer coming in. Do you, do you think that you know, this type of game? The only issue really was you know, the the lack of striker, or or do you think there's there's more problems that need to be uh, addressed by Favre as the uh, coming weeks and months go on?
3: I just think it's such early days, you know, and in a way, game, Hanover were pretty good at home last season. Um, these players still need a lot of time to gel with or without Favreau. So um, this is a long-term project, and uh, you know I'm, I'm pretty confident by the second half of the season this team is going to be playing some, some pretty good football. You know, They've got a pretty decent uh, draw in the Champions League. Atletico, obviously, an extremely tough team, but Brugger should be able to be taken care of. Monaco, we're starting to see now that the amount of players that they're having to sell might be finally starting to catch up with them. So I'd say they, they should have a good chance of getting through the Champions League. And like I say, I'm sure they'll come good. And uh, it's only a matter of time before they start playing a lot more uh, attractive football and uh, and winning games on a more regular basis.
1: Yeah, well, it's good to hear a bit of positivity. I've I'm, I'm got go to go to Mark quickly, though, and, and ask his opinion, I suppose, on the Champions League draw for Borussia Dortmund. You, Matthew mentioned it here that they're in with... Atletico Madrid, they're in with Club Bruges, they're in with Monaco. I mean, are you going to be more, you know, complimentary when it comes to to that draw and maybe them getting through that group?
4: As uh, Matt said, I'd expect them to qualify from that group. You have to respect Atletico Madrid, but Monaco are not as strong as they were. You can't continue to sell your best players and uh, hope to really compete at the very top of the game. And, you know, Belgian football, you know, you expect Dortmund to to beat Bruges home and away, and that's six points, and that'll go a long way to securing um, qualification. Um, Yeah, yeah, I expect them to qualify uh, for the last 16 of the Champions League quite comfortably
1: that's a much more positive reaction than than what I was maybe expecting, Mark. Manu, what about you? Is it going to be all three of you agreeing that um, Dortmund really should get through this group?
2: Well, the Champions League draw has been kind to all the Bundesliga sides, I felt. And uh, I think that Dortmund should not only try to qualify out of the group, they may want to look to maybe even win this group. Uh I think that has to be the expectations when you when you are a German team. And then last year was very disappointing for German clubs in general. And I think that they all, all have something to make up for um considering where German football, how German football performed internationally. So uh, I think that Dortmund will easily qualify out of this group. And I think they should actually challenge for first. Good
1: stuff. I uh, will We'll touch a little bit more on the Champions League uh, in time. But um Matthew, I mean, I mean, if we were to just talk about Hanover, yes, it's a, It's a good result for them. They're going to be happy about this um, home draw. But that's two draws so far for them after two games. Uh, Will they be positive by their start? Where do you think um, this season is going to take them?
3: Well, it's tough. I mean, I had a few concerns over how they would get by without Salif Sana. You know, he was just so so good for them last season. But it looks like Babu was really, really coming on strong, you know. And uh, the other winger there, Linton uh, Minor. Uh, looked really, really good on the on the other side of the wing. I think Wallace is, could be a really important player for them this season. You know, he didn't have the best time at, over at Hamburg, but uh, from what I saw there, you know, he looks like he's in pretty good form, and he'll be an important player for them this season. Um, look, I think they'll they'll be okay. I don't think there's any relegation drama with with Hanover. Um, you know, mid-table will probably be a good a good result for them. Um, like I said, those two wingers will probably cause a fair bit of, of problems for opposition teams. And, um, you know, Fulkrug uh, could, could score a few goals. Anton, Valdemar Anton's doing okay in central defence. He's coming on nicely, progressing well. So I don't think there's any relegation problems here with, with, Hanover. And, um, you know, mid-table,
1: somewhere around there would, would be a good, uh, good finish for them. Yes, indeed. Well, Manu, we're going to go back to you, and so we're going to get rid of any optimism you may have as we talk about Bayer Leverkusen, a, a, a second loss. They've managed to lose you at home to Wolfsburg. Um, what, what have you got to say for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> But the floor is yours,
2: man. Uh, I'm going to tip the same thing next Mark year again. Mark to be enjoying every second of this. Uh, you night. know, it's prediction times. I love prediction times. I wanted to rattle a few feathers, and I did. And I I think over in Leverkusen, they retweeted my tweet. Remember that? I think they took yeah. it a little bit too serious themselves. Um, I blame them for, for going with my prediction and thinking that that would be enough to get the job done. Apparently not. Um, so... No, but look, uh, I, I'm not quite sure what to say because, I mean, Matt, you were at this, this game and we chatted during the game a little bit. Leverkusen stormed out of the games. Um, David, re- I thought they played really well the first yeah, 30 minutes or so. And I'm not sure what exactly happened that it just completely kind of fell apart on them that, um, that own goal. Um, by Ötzkan, right? Uh, to make it 1-1. That's, uh, yeah. I'm not, not quite sure how that went in. And, um, from there on, it was just, it was just a complete disaster. And I'm really curious to hear your opinion because you chatted and said, well, when, when Herrlich made the substitutions, you were really concerned that you felt that he wasn't bringing on the right players, right?
3: Uh, look. There's just so much to talk. We could have a whole show about Leverkusen <laughs> and, and Heiko Herlich, I think, but um, where to start? I mean, I think in transition they're just they're awful. I mean, they look good going forward, but as soon as they lose the ball, they're they're under pressure. Uh, Mitchell Weiser was obviously targeted in this game. He was getting double teamed regularly, and that's how Wolfsburg got their equaliser. Um, there's just not enough players in this team that really like to defend. I'm not sure Olario and Volland work that well together. Kai Havertz is a fantastic player, but playing him in a deeper role I don't think works. And I know they've got injuries, but they did have uh, Dominic Kaur and Aaron Giz on the bench here. Uh, Aaron Giz coming off the bench late on, but <sighs> look, end of last season, I saw Leverkusen quite a lot, and it's it's fine to change formations. You know, league likes to go between the 4 the 2 and then Basically go to the, the, the 3 five, 2 But when you've got, um, Leon Bailey and Julian Brandt as wingbacks, you know, you, you're kind of asking for trouble. You, you saw it in the first game at, at And, um, I really worry for Heiko Hurlick. I've been thinking about how to, how to say what I think about him without being too harsh because I like him mm. and you've got to respect his career and, and what, and what a good player he was. But, I think, honestly, this is just too much for him. I think tactically, he just doesn't have enough at this level. And you can say, okay, they finished fifth last year; they were close to the top three, you know, on goal difference. But look at the squad he's got. Look at the look at the players yeah. available to him. I mean, this this squad is is way better than Schalke, way better than Hoffenheim, man for man. No disrespect, obviously. Um, and I just had, I thought of an interesting question here, Manu, and I'll pose it to Mark as well. Like, just hypothetically, let's just say you had Julian Nagelsmann in charge of Leverkusen at the beginning of last season. Hmm. Where would they be? And where would Hoffenheim be if you put Herlich in that seat?
2: I think that Hoffenheim would probably have finished mid table and Leverkusen would have, last year, they would have easily finished second.
3: Well, there you go. And that sort of answers the question, doesn't it, about Heiko Hurlick. Like I said, I don't want to be too harsh because I respect yeah. everyone in the game. They're pros. But if you ask me honestly, I'd say he's lost the group. But I don't think he commands enough respect from the players. Um, I think playing Bailey at wingback just annoys him and it annoyed him last year. Yeah. Um, you, know, you saw Leon Bailey's comments after the game where they're not working hard for each other. Um, stuff like that. I'm really worried and I'm, I wasn't that surprised that these rumors have come out that, um, he, you know, he's under massive pressure and, and, uh, Hasenhutl is linked. Can you just tell me? I didn't, I didn't hear that through you guys, but where has that come from exactly?
2: Kicker, Kicker reported it. So that's pretty reputable. Um, I think I, I'm curious to hear what you think, Mark, but I think this, the squad screams Hasenhutel. And I think that with the, the you would say they, there isn't quite enough, uh, defensive players in that squad, Matt, but you have the Bender twins that are working very hard, right? And Aaron Gouy's, um, maybe to highly defense, he's not hundred percent fit yet, but I think you, are quite right. I think when you have Bailey, Brandt, Folland, um, Alario, that's a very, that's, that's kind of set up attacking wise screams Hasenhüttel football, in my opinion. Curious to th- curious to hear what you think, Mark.
4: Yeah, well, Matt summed it up pretty well. I would, add, you know, they're lacking leadership on the pitch, there's, you know, you got the Bender storm, Mark. Yeah, but they'd be better off at 1860 Munich (laughs) and end their career there, but that's another story. Um, Yeah, I wish I was on that podcast with you, um, Manu, to warn you against tipping (laughs) Leverkusen for any major deeds, yeah, but, you know, just think back to that cup semi-final, you know, against Bayern where they were you know, torn apart at home. What was it, six-two?
1: Um, yeah,
4: they, they could have easily lost this game against Wolfsburg uh, by more. Uh, it was three-one. Wolfsburg could have easily scored more goals. Um, they have uh, loads of attacking talent, but they're lacking, um, you know, a real strong leader on the pitch. And the shape is a little bit wrong. They need more strength. Um yeah, I mean it's I'm not sure I'm, interested, interested, I'm not sure I agree with that,
2: to, Mark. I think well, that I think the players are all there. I, I agree with the shape, but I Well I'm, then the
4: system, the system yeah. is all wrong for those players then. I mean yeah. that's um you know, Hazenutal you know, he played some really good attacking counter attacking football at, at uh, Leipzig, but you know, you can't win games of football without keeping clean sheets mm. so you know that's the first thing that any manager comes into a club and tries to sort out you know they'd be better off yeah. going back to hub stevens and trying to sort it out that way rather than uh hasn't at all but that's you know that's uh, that was more of a joke
3: i see no way possible that leverkusen have any chance of keeping a clean sheet at the moment to be honest i mean you can say, okay, look, they had three great chances to, to take the lead at, at, at monchengladbach Didn't quite take them. Bailey hits the post. Okay. They got a lot of players out. First choice keeper, Adretsky. uh, Red Sox, Benders were out. Alexander Dragovic, you know, accident waiting to happen. Um, just got rid of Henriks, which leaves them a little bit short in, in, in the, in the fullback uh, positions. Injuries, as we've talked about to their central midfielders and the holding ones, Baumgartlinger, Aaron Giz. I mean, Cork would have played for, for Havertz, but, He's just trying to get so many attacking players on the pitch. The balance is is all over Mm -hmm. the place. Um, but I'll tell you the most worrying thing for me that I saw on the weekend, and that was, um, okay, the game's 1 1. Everything, everything's not too bad. Um, and then if you, if you looked closely, Wendell got, got, got taken down in the build up to the second goal. He wouldn't have done anything to stop the, the goal anyway. Um, but what happened was Wendell went down, the ball came in. Uh, about Veghorst headed it in two one, and then what happened was in in five or so minutes, just complete panic, and you know looking like headless chickens. Herlich and the players, no one knew what to do, no one knew what was happening, Um and it just could not figure out how to how to deal with the Wendell injury situation. And then before you knew it, um, uh, Bailey was over on the left back position, goal kick. Bailey starts to charge up because he's, you know, he wants to get up there and attack. They lose the ball on the, on, on the goal kick. Boom, boom. You could have driven three buses through that hole. Hmm. Stepping straight through 3-1, basically game over. But what I'm saying is you look at someone like Palt Dardar yesterday and, you know, these players know what they're supposed to be doing in every situation. You've got to be ready for these situations. Who's going to fill the hole? Who's going to take over? Who's going to cover? But Leverkusen on, on Saturday, just completely no clue what to do when Wendell went down. And um, it was game over. Yeah,
4: and also you've got Leverkusen, you know, they've got a host of talent, you know, that can't be denied. But probably here with going into the season, expectations were that they were going to, you know, challenge for the title, however right or wrong those delusions were. So, and they've dropped the ball in the first game against Mönchengladbach and then in front of their own fans against you know, what was deemed to be a very poor, average Wolfsburg side. So Leverkusen turned up, expecting to beat them and they failed miserably.
1: Well, Mark, just uh, one last um, mention of uh, Leverkusen because, you know, as Matt said, it it sounds like we could go on all night about this. But um, how do you see them getting on um, against uh, Bayern Munich? Do you see them standing any chance whatsoever? Um, do, Do you even see the international break coming before that helping them in any sort of way?
4: Absolutely, it's the sort of game, you know, they, they will go to Bayern and they'll probably put in a really decent performance because expectations now are very low, you know, have lost both their games and I'm sure, you know, with the players motivated to put in, a, they've got nothing to lose, they play with a little bit more freedom and they will give Bayern a very good game. That's the way that football works.
2: It'd be typical Bayern Leverkusen if they won that game.
4: I don't see them winning. Let's, let's not get. Saved. Not saying that they will, but it would be
2: typical Leverkusen that, if they did.
4: That, yeah. that optimism well, they is do. coming it back. Good. It would be good for the Bundesliga as the you know the product that you know, Bayern suffer an early defeat. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't see that happening. Well, too, then, that, Bayern, are, Bayern are too well organised defensively. They're going to you know if Leverkusen open up against them, Bayern will cut them to pieces.
1: Well, I think we better move on before we upset any more, uh, Labour fans after all this talk. But Manu, let, let's talk about a side that have a little bit, uh, more to, uh, to sing about after the weekend, and that was, uh, Hoffenheim beating, uh, Freiburg. Um, they've recovered well after their opening day defeat to, uh, Bayern Munich, haven't
2: they? Yeah, they won the game that they needed to win, right? I think, um, I think with, with Hoffenheim, the, the, the one thing that got, a lot of us worried, um, ahead of the season is that they, um, with Demi and Amiri, um, they were missing some, some massive key players in their creative midfield. And I think it showed against Bayern. Although I, I, I still feel that that game against Bayern and, um, Mark, you were probably at that game mm. that the if the referee decision goes a little bit different and the way that not everyone expects it to go, then I think they would have walked away with a point in Munich. Um, because I thought that they played quite well despite, um, the, the injury problems that they have. But that's Nagelsmann football, right? I mean, everything that Leverkusen doesn't have, Hoffenheim does have because they're just so well organized. And even if they are a few players down, every player on the pitch knows exactly what they're doing, what their job is and how to, to break down the opposition. And I, I think as much as the, the Bayern result wasn't, wasn't a hundred percent telling on where Hoffenheim are at the moment. The Freiburg result probably isn't either because you know they 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 the opposite end of the spectrum. Bayern is the best team in the league and Freiburg is one of the teams that will struggle against relegation. Um yet at the same time they, they got those three points um regardless. And I think that's that's that just shows you where Nagelsmann is in his development, um as opposed to maybe where Herrlich is in his development at Leverkusen.
4: Absolutely. Um Hoffenheim um, deserved a point in, in Munich. You know, they got a lot of criticism for their heavy tackling. You know, they mm. had the temerity to put in a few challenges. Um, but they, the game was heading for a, a draw, deserved draw, before Ribery jumped over a, a defender's leg and uh, somehow it was deemed a, a penalty. Uh, you know, we could talk all night about that as well. But, um, you know, Bayern got the, got the 3-1 in in the end and Hoffenheim recovered to beat Freiburg, a team that obviously, you know, they'd be expected to beat, but they went a goal down. So um suffering with injuries as well. I think Hoffenheim have got nine injuries yeah. now, so that that's not a good sign heading into the Champions League. Um talking about Freiburg before, you know before I forget, let's let's wish um Christian strike uh, get well soon because he's got a bad back and he hasn't even been at the the opening two games so that must be a big loss for Freiburg because he's a real you know a real motivating force from the touchline you know they're missing his his intent and uh, they're going to struggle this season without him that's for sure
2: yeah I mean speaking of the impact that coaches have the, the fact that Freiburg perform as well as they do and let's remember how small of a club they are in relation to all the other teams in this league it's to many, many, in many, many respects. It's down to him the way he works there and the work that he does uh, perform in Freiburg is just remarkable.
4: Yeah, he yeah. was linked, even linked to the uh, Bayern job. Yeah, you know whether that was a, a build rumor, but you know that's how highly thought of he is in the German game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, quite, a, quite a force he's turned them into with uh, l- what little resources um he has to use, but um. Matter if we talk a little bit more about Hoffenheim, obviously they're in the Champions League uh, this time round. They've been drawn um, in Group F with Lyon, Manchester City and Shakhtar Donetsk, which is mm. not the easiest of groups. And, you know, it, it it's always going to be difficult to balance um, your squad and your injuries, as Mark mentioned, um, you know, to playing twice a week. And the next few weeks... Don't look very kind for them. So, they're going uh, to have Düsseldorf to take on. Okay, I'm sure they'll fancy their chances there. But then you've got Shakhtar Donetsk, mm. you've got Borussia Dortmund, you've got Hanover. you've got RB Leipzig, then you've got City, Man City, that is. Um, that That's that's a big ask for them, isn't it, to, to come out of that with uh, many victories?
3: It sure is, but... Um... You know, in Nagelsmann, I trust, honestly. I've, I've been fortunate to see them quite a few times live, and every time I see them, more and more impressed with Nagelsmann and the way he, he has his side set up and, and the relationship he has with the players. Just phenomenal. You know, when you look through this squad, you really have to be worried, I, I would say, if you're a Hoffenheim supporter for, for what happens next season. Um, but, um, look, they'll, they'll they'll do better than most people think in a lot of these games. I don't like their chances, to be honest, of getting out of this group I think the draw has been really tough for them having to go to the Ukraine first up and then hosting Man City. You know they could be behind the 8 ball there pretty pretty early on but um I, I saw them uh, in in the in the Pokal down at uh, Kaiserslautern there when they won 6-1 and you know Joel Linton is, is coming to the team, Pitten courts sort of been um put in a position he's not that familiar with so when you look at the defense, I mean it's just remarkable that they're doing so well no disrespect to um, to the players here, obviously for Hoffenheim, but you know Guma we've seen already he's a bit um, you know prone to some 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 blunders. Uh, same, Kazim Adams he had a tough initiation there at uh, in Munich. But Kevin poked is just so important to this side. If he goes down, then you really have to worry. Although uh, Benjamin Hubner will, will make a big difference when he comes back. You know his uh, his aggression, um, but you know so many central midfield. Uh, injuries here with Geiger, Roop, Amiri, uh, Demir Bay, but I just can't speak highly enough of, of Nagelsmann, to be honest. And, um, yeah, I'm sure they'll do better than most people think in these games, despite it being such a, a tough run of
1: fixtures. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to take quite a lot of uh, strategy uh, strategies from... Uh, Julian Nagelsmann, over the next few weeks, isn't it? Uh, To get the best out of his side ahead of some of those games. But I'm looking forward to him taking on Pep Guardiola, I must say. Um, Guys, uh, let's move on to uh, talk a little bit about Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, Manu, we've seen them bring in a new face. Or maybe not so new.
2: Yeah, Kevin Drop is back. I guess... I guess if you are Runo the, the keeper that came in to replace Radetsky, that must be just a massive blow for you, right? That, um, they basically tested him in the DFL Super Cup where he, he didn't do well. He, he did okay in his first Bundesliga game last week. But then, uh, when you're in Frankfurt and you have the possibility of bringing someone like Kevin Trapp back, I, I guess you have to go for it. Now, um, he did not make. A big difference in that first game against the Werder Bremen, where they lost 2-1 on the road. Um, ironically, Werder Bremen lost their goalkeeper, Pavlenka, um, we hope a quick recovery, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess with your Runo, that's, that's a big blow for you to, to basically sign for a new club. And then on the transfer deadline, you're bringing in Kevin Trapp, who is not only a former goalkeeper, but. Is, is an important figure for this club and is very liked by the fans and.
0: Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
2: pretty hard not to play him I mean the club issued a statement saying um we, we have full confidence that Bruno will become a number one goalkeeper in, in the future but I mean if you're in someone like Trump it's I can't see how Bruno has any prospect of becoming a number one goalkeeper anytime soon I mean yes they are going to play in the Europa League they're already out of the cup so there's not that many games that Bruno can play in um, going forward
4: yeah he's a quality goalkeeper he's, he's- went to PSG, didn't play enough football. He wants to play regular Bundesliga football to, you know, secure his place for the Germany squad. You know, he's not, you know, Manuel Neuer's not going to be around forever. Ter obviously a major competition, but Trapp needs to be playing regular football. And where better for him than Eintracht Frankfurt, his former club. Yeah, it'll
1: be interesting to see just how they play that one out in the between the sticks for Eintracht Frankfurt, bringing in um, a familiar face. But um, guys, um, let's talk a little bit about Bayern uh, and how uh, Bayern managed to uh, well dismantle um, Stuttgart. Uh, Mark, um, it, it almost seems like um, a regular occurrence or something that we've come to expect that Bayern would go. Um, to a side like this and and just, you know, completely whitewash them. Um, I, I mean, I'm looking at the at the stats of this game because I knew it was obviously one-sided, but 24 shots to four without Stuttgart getting any shots on target. I, I mean, is, is there any possibility that Bayern are not going to win the league this year?
4: Oh, they'll win the league, Bryce. Uh, I'll put my house on it if I had one. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a foregone conclusion, you yeah? um, know. But go back to Stuttgart against Bayern in May when Stuttgart beat them 4-1 in Munich, yeah. Obviously, things are a little bit different. Bayern were already champions. Jupp Kankers was in charge, you know, and, you know, maybe they had... They were on a hangover from the Champions League against Real Madrid. So, but a lot has gone on in Stuttgart since, and obviously Bayern are reinvigorated by the introduction of um, Niko Kovac, who's got them motivated and playing well early in the season. Never gave Stuttgart a score, let's be honest, and it was it was an amazing contrast those two games, the one in May, which. Stuttgart handed Bayern their biggest defeat of the season. And this, you know, early season, it could have been like a testimonial. It was just a walk in the park for Bayern once they got the first goal. It was a, it was damage limitation for Stuttgart. And, uh, you know, but this is, this is what we'll see in the Bundesliga 80% of the time. Not many sides, well, you name me one, actually believes that they can beat Bayern Munich. Let's be honest here. They're all damage limitation. None of them go out to beat Bayern. They're all all a question of, you know, trying to keep it tight, not trying to make mistakes, you know, let in stupid goals, and none of them really try and expose Bayern's weaknesses. That only happens towards the later stages of the Champions League.
2: I disagree with that. I I I, I did this match and. I had it down that that Stuttgart would lose this game. Um, Bryce, we chatted a little bit during this game, and Bayern have now won eight the last eight um, away games in Stuttgart. So,
4: ten. Is it
2: ten? Mm. I had eight
4: Ooh.
2: from the Bundesliga. Oh, did that? Did you include Pokal games in that, Mark?
4: Yeah, two all competitions. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: okay, yeah. That's I have it for the Bundesliga. Um, so that makes it sound even worse. So eight in the Bundesliga, ten in all competitions. Uh, I, I did think though that in the, that the, before Bayern scored that first goal, Stuttgart was very much trying to, to exploit, um, Bayern's limitations, which are, I, I think in the, in the build up, I think defensively there are, there are issues with this Bayern squad. And I think too that on the wings, um, it's really easy to shut them down. It's just don't think that Korkut and, and Stuttgart have the tools to do so. I, I think that is really a big issue. And as for teams wanting to take the game to Bayern, I think that they, they, when you listen to what managers have said uh, going into the season, I think a lot more managers feel that they can can beat Bayern because Coleman is already down, right? Gnabry is continu- continuously has issues with injuries, and Robin and Ribery are now thirty four and thirty five, or is it thirty five and thirty six, Mark? Thirty four and thirty five. Yeah, so they, we, yeah. we're talking about seventy years on the wing, eh? right? <laughs> That's, I, I just don't see, I don't see how teams cannot exploit that. And I think there is a lot to be exploited. And I, I think. I hope you, you're right, man. I, I, I hope that I mean, you team- started in that first, I, I still think that Hoffenheim, if Hoffenheim should have walked away with a point there, I think that Bayern were extremely lucky to get that penalty because Ribery happened to jump over a defender who was clearly getting out of his way. And, uh, the penalty retake and all of that jazz that was going around that. I think that other teams are looking at this and saying, this is not a team that's unbeatable. And they're not. I mean, they there is, there's a lot of things going on in this Bayern side. And yes, early goings are good, but remember, we will, you will remember this, Mark. Um, under, under Rehagel, they won the first seven games and still didn't win the league, right? I mean, we have yeah. seen this so many times that Bayern, Bayern always start Really, really well into every Bundesliga season. And everyone thinks, okay, they're unbeatable. But when you look into details, I do think, um, if, if managers go to Munich or have them come to their stadiums and really look at the side and, and really look at where they can be exploited. I think there's a lot of things that can be exploited in the Spion side. And I'm not sure Nico Kovac has the, he's, he's a good personality. People love playing for him, but I'm not sure if he has the, the tactical ability to really react to, Let's say that the Nagelsmanns or the Ragnicks or the Fabres of the Bundesliga. I don't think he's quite there.
4: I hope you're right. I hope that other teams do believe that they can actually win. I don't sense that. You know, I've been going to the Allianz Arena Mm. a long time, and there's very few teams that actually believe that they can really beat Bayern Munich on their own turf. Um, Kovac, for me, has done a, a he's been a revelation since he's uh come in he's you know everyone was thinking he was going to play this negative football he's coming in from frankfurt going to play counter-attacking football what's he going to do what's he you know but he's been a breath of fresh air i've really been impressed and uh um obviously the injury to kingsley command on the wing it's you know that's going to be a a blow in the short term, but they'll be back by, by the winter. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't, it won't really affect them in the Bundesliga. If that's just my opinion, because none of the, there's no real belief that they can get to Bayern. Yeah. If they close down, if they close down the wings, Lewandowski will get you or Goretzka. Goretzka's a great signing, a free signing, which Bayern, you know, will love doing. they take, Schalke's best player for no money, you know, like they did to Dortmund and got Lewandowski, um, you know, and they've got Neuer back, mm. yeah, and they've they've kept Boateng, in my opinion, the best defender they've got when fit. Um, they've collected a huge amount of money on players that they wanted to get rid of and they'll go big in the transfer market next next year, Um yeah, they'll win the Bundesliga. I'm sorry to be that uh, fatalistic, but I just don't see any real belief from the or any challenges.
1: Well, let's let's go to Matthew on this. Let's break it, you two up. Uh, Matthew, well, what what do you reckon? Do you see anybody uh, challenging uh, Bayern or, or possibly knocking them off the top? I, I mean, it's, it's six points out of a possible six so far. Do you see that changing anytime soon?
3: No, no. I think it's just wishful thinking, really. It's a bit of a stain on the Bundesliga, unfortunately. When, when I talked to a lot of people in Portugal and told them, you know, I'm a bit involved in the Bundesliga now, they all have the, the same the same reaction, unfortunately. Um, it is what it is. Um, the the finances are just way too strong, as Mark just pointed out. I mean, they so many of these key players, they didn't even have to pay anything for them. Um you know, it, it's unbelievable. As soon as another team looks like getting close, they've they poached their best players. Um, and I don't think this, this Robin Ribéry thing is, is that much of a big deal. Sure. They're 34, 35, not as quick as they were, but they're still better than, you know, 75% of the, the fullbacks that they come up against each week in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, the only thing you can look at and you have looked at it, is, okay, what if Lewandowski goes down? Um, you know they don't have a whole lot of depth in, in in the full back positions but you know they brought in in, in Wagner to, to cover Lewandowski uh can, can play up there you've got James who can come in and play a number of positions in, in across the uh, the line behind uh, the striker they've reinforced central midfield i mean this team is just unbeatable in in the Bundesliga i don't think there's much doubt about it uh, you could say Kovac okay it's a it's a new situation for him managing a, a club of this stature but it's it's just not going to matter you know it's all about the uh, sorry it's all about the, the champions league for for bayern for bayern munich and um you know if they don't get it done this year like like uh, manu and everybody has been saying they're uh, they're getting ready for a big a big uh, money move and um probably just discussing who that might be might be um more interesting than uh than if they're going to win the bundesliga to be honest
1: well, Manu, we, we t- talked about, uh, transfers and, and, Bayern Munich there a little bit. There, there was two players that were potentially going to leave and uh, going to PSG, but, uh, that didn't exactly happen. Uh, what, what exactly was the situation there?
2: Oh, I, I, I love this headline. Heun is, uh, at his best. I don't often agree with Oli, but I did hear. And, um, so PSG came in with late bids for Renato Sanchez and, um, were bidding on Jerome Boateng. I think that one thing Mark is quite right when he's fit. He is one of the best defenders in the league. But, uh, unfortunately, I, I know, um, I know that he is, he has been, you know, behind closed, closed doors. They, everyone knows that he, there's maybe 20 top game, top level games that you get out of his, um, his thigh muscle. That's about it. It just isn't where what it used to be. And that's why Bayern were not. Bayern were not too worried about him going, uh, potentially leaving, right? Um, they were actually quite happy to take the money, but PSG made offers and then didn't follow up. Um, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you make it, when you make a transfer offer on football manager and then you just let it, let it go, right? So, um, Hernes and uh, Hassan Salihamidzic heavily criticized spotting PSG Sporting director Antero Henrique. Um, Hoeneß said that if I was PSG, I would be looking at a different uh, face to represent this club. So quite a strong statement. And that's very typical Hernes like. So yeah, I guess, uh um, Boateng is, is, uh, is here to stay.
4: Well, Boateng, yeah, he could have left if, you know, PSG had stumped up the money. Bayern were clear uh, on record mm-hmm. as saying they want 50 million. And obviously. There's this belief that PSG have a lot of money, but I think they're struggling with financial fair play, and they, in the end, they wanted to stump up 40 million, and Bayern said, no thanks. Bottom line is, Bayern do not lose many games with Boateng playing. Yeah. 28, last, 28 last season, undefeated with Boateng starting, and when he went off in the Champions League semi-final, Bayern were winning 1-0. And they ended up losing to
2: Mark. You know, I tells,
4: tells my own story.
2: I 100% agree with you that when he's fit, there is not many defenders like him in the world. Um, he's a fantastic player, but I do know that that muscle, that thigh muscle is just, you know, he's so athletic and so fast and such a tall guy. And uh, unfortunately, he doesn't get very many. Le- games on that level out of his body anymore, which is really too bad.
4: Well, maybe that's good that, that um, Nico Kovac is going to rotate the three of them. He's got yeah. Mats Hummels, Niklas Sula. so it's probably good it, and in Boateng's best interest that he is rotated to look after himself. Kovac just needs to sell that idea to Boateng.
2: Yeah, he's a big fan of Sula too, Kovac is, and, which makes sense because I think that Sule is, is a fantastic prospect.
4: Yeah, he's. I mean, everyone assumes that he's a very slow, a big yeah. unit, but he's he's the quickest of the lot, probably.
2: Yeah, yeah,
4: he's deceptive
3: for sure. Sorry, I just wanted to to, to say, look, it's not it's not Bayern's fault that it seems like it's a a one horse race. I mean, um, I kind of draw parallels to like Golden State Warriors in a way that people sort of complain that they're they're so dominant, you know. But other teams have every opportunity to go out there in the market, you know. Be sharp with their scouting. Get a good manager in. I mean, of course, some teams, it's, it's a little bit unrealistic, but we saw with Leicester and and things like that. Monaco, not that long ago, anything can happen. And, and teams like Dortmund, Leverkusen, you know, Leipzig, they're not that far away financially if, if a few little things go their way. They just got to be a bit, bit smarter, a bit better. But as we've seen with all these clubs, they just haven't been that sharp recently with their recruitment and, um, you know, their, their management. Um so uh, just to be clear it's not blaming Bayern for what for what's happening with, with being so dominant Um, you know it's up to some of these other clubs to, to get their act together and, and, and mount a serious challenge
2: and Matt they have done it all on their own money there was no rich oligarch that came in and just opened their purses to do it I think that's you're quite right they, they have been very very good not just over the last 10 years but you know 40 years even to, to get to this position where they are now
1: well, well, I I think we also need to talk, um, you know, um, as Matt said, you know, about sides that maybe didn't get their act together, um, in the transfer window. I I think that it makes a perfect bridge for us to talk about RB Leipzig, um, yeah, the man they failed to get some um, deals, you for Rudy and Lukman over the line, uh, you know, as the final few days just passed by, and we we mentioned last year about. How playing in Europe and playing domestically, you know the the squad just wasn't deep enough, and mm. they couldn't cope with it, and they've dropped points again this time.
2: Yeah, maybe to talk about the transfers first. This is classic Rangnick. Um, he's he's known for his indecisiveness, and I think that you could mm. really tell tell this transfer window what that means. And um, he was interested in Sebastian Rudy, but then he wasn't sure whether he should go for it. He really wanted Adam ola Lukman, even though Everton in the end made it quite clear that, that he was not available. They were players, and I, we can now say this, that then Tyler Adams from New York Red Bulls, this is a transfer that's pretty much done. He'll come in January, like Alfonso Davis is going to, to Bayern in January. And that's because of the, the transfer, the transfer window and the the fact that the season, they are mid-season in, in MLS, right? They want to finish the season here first, and, and New York Red Bulls have a good chance of winning the title in, in MLS. So they didn't want to jeopardize that. But, they, this is classic. I mean, he, they, they signed another striker. They brought in Sarachi um, as a wing back, who I think is a fantastic signing, by the way. But they didn't address that massive hole in midfield, which is Naby Keita. And I guess, um, Tyler Adams will, will fill that someone. Um, the other rumors, of course, Haidara. Amadou Haidara from Salzburg, although Salzburg are heavily denying that a deal has been reached. Uh, I think that when the marching orders come from, uh, Zee, where Red Bull's headquarters are, then that deal will just go through. Um That can fill that. But I mean, until then, they have to play an entire Europa League group stage and they have to be competitive in the Bundesliga and they're still in the Bokal. That's a lot of football until the winter break. And I think they don't have the depth necessary for that. I mean, as I saw today in kicker. That there's only 18 fit players. How are you going to be competitive in three, three uh, league games and play a style of football? That's very physical draining because that's how Rangnick plays. He plays a very draining style of football on his players. And I don't think they have the squad depth for that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a difficult season for Leipzig. Um, I tipped them to come second to Bayern before the season, but obviously none of you were listening to that. <laughs> um, that was, that was in hindsight, probably a mistake, but, uh, I'm going to hang in there with Leipzig. You know, they have a lot of talent, but it, looking at it now, it's going to be a, uh, like a holding season, um, just trying to get into Europe and have, some, you know, Nagelsmann take over and take Leipzig to the next level next next season. Um, but that seems a long way off at the moment. Obviously, they've started their season very very early. They've played a lot of, yeah. lot of games already, and they're already in need of an international break to try and get a few more players fit and then to go again and play better in the Bundesliga. They're expected to beat Dusseldorf, of course. Uh, you know, a lot of pressure on to win. Um, you know, they got lucky in Europe to qualify with a last-minute penalty by Forsberg you know another player that's still there at the club another player perhaps that you don't you know re- do you really think his heart's in it he'd rather be playing for the likes of arsenal or ac milan that's for sure and you know in leipzig have got you know a few players like that who who you feel that if the money came in they'd be off
3: yeah, it's a really interesting situation at leipzig this could just go so many different ways you know um as Mark said, they were quite fortunate in the end to get through in the Europa League. Um, just so much talent. But uh, my, my question is, Timo Werner, I, I don't know if you guys agree, but what I've noticed in, in the last year or so, um, just his positioning, he, he just tends to be, for me anyway, just drifting way too far wide, coming way too deep, and I think it affected how he, he performed for, for for the national team as well. Um, I think when he was doing so well uh, before, he, he wasn't doing that. You know, he was pretty much hanging around the box, looking for those through balls, running in behind the defence. Um, and and some for some reason he he sort of changed his game and 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 trying to do everything, trying trying to be the all rounder or something. I don't, I don't get it. I don't don't know if you guys agree, but. Mm. Um, yeah, this is this is quite interesting this could just go so many ways. I tend to think that Rangnick will will get it together eventually and you know they'll, they'll finish up there in fourth fourth fifth somewhere again with the with the with the quality they have. Um it just might take him a little bit more time and it might be a little bit more difficult a uh, project um than he anticipated before he he steps back into the uh the managerial hot seat.
2: Real quick on uh, Werner because this is something that I've also noticed during the the World Cup. Matt, and I think that he does, he's not an, a single number nine striker, he needs to have someone to play with. And yeah, you're quite right, he does drift quite a bit, um, often to the left. And this is something that Germany, um that's something that caused a lot of problems for Germany at the World Cup, because he was out left, right? And there was no one in the middle. But you have to remember that um at the Comfort Cup, they played often three, five, two, right? So he had someone in the middle with Stindl. And Leipzig, he often plays with someone in the middle as well, with Paulsen, um, or with Augustine. And so that he, that's why he does it. But if he doesn't have the player, because Matthias Kuna, who they brought in the summer, who I think is a fantastic player, he does the exact same thing. He also drifts, right? So when you have two strikers drifting, who's going to put in the balls in the middle of the park? It's just not going to happen. So I think you, you, you quite rightly identified it's not a new thing, but we're just noticing it more because he doesn't have someone to play with.
1: Well, guys I think we just need to touch on Schalke quickly another team that's going to be trying to balance um you playing across Europe and domestically um after a very positive season last year um playing some fantastic stuff under Tedesco uh, or getting the results that they certainly needed to to get them back into Europe as they feel that they should be there all along really Uh, but uh, Mark if if we go to you I mean we've seen them lose uh, this uh, weekend this Sunday to Hertha a game that last year they probably would have won I mean what seems to be the situation there and you know can they balance um, you know a, a possible European campaign as well as a domestic one. I mean, if you look at the group, as Manu said, you know, it's fallen rather kindly for them with Porto, Galatasaray, and Lokomotiv Moscow. They should be expecting to get through that, really.
4: Go back to those expectations, Bryce. Again, you know, Schalke outperformed expectations last season by you know finishing run- runners up. You know, and they've everyone thought that they've added a few useful players in the. Over the summer, and they're going to have a decent season. And then they brought in Sebastian Rudy for the engine room, um, and they, you know, started the season with a defeat against Wolfsburg, a team that they would have been expected to beat. And then another awkward game at the weekend against Hertha BSC uh, at home mm-hmm. in front of their own fans. You don't help yourself by missing a penalty after 13 minutes. Schalke won a lot of games one 0 last season. And they, you know, scoring the first goal, you know, enabling them to play their, you know, cagey football and hit them on the break. That wasn't going to work against Hertha when they conceded soon after missing that penalty, and they were fighting a losing battle never really looked like getting back in the game. And Hertha punish them with a, you know, last-minute brilliant free kick from Duda, who scored twice, and uh, a good win for Hertha, who joint top. Let's give them some credit. But Schalke, yeah, they're, they're going to struggle, you know, on on those fronts, you know, Champions League and the Bundesliga. They haven't, you know, that squad. Do you really see them? Yeah, it's going to be. Everyone's saying that's an easy Champions League group, but that creates its own pressure. Schalke should qualify, and teams do not always react well to that pressure.
1: Matt, what about you? How do you feel that uh, Schalke are going to get on in Europe this year? Do you you agree with Mark that there's going to be added pressures because of the the, the more fortunate group that they've managed to get?
3: Yeah, it's interesting, Bryce. I I was there um, last night for the game, um, interestingly, they both lined up with the three at the back, but then uh, Karim Reckick got injured in the first few minutes. Um, but I'm pretty sure Pal Dada saw the weakness with, uh, Western McKinney on the right side of the back three and brought on, uh, Javaro Dilrosan, who was, who was involved in, in, in the opening goal. But, um, I could talk about these. Let me just break it down quickly, I guess. I think Tedesco might be just trying to do too much. If you know what I mean, trying to be a bit too clever, trying to get his players to to to, to do too many different formations. You saw McKennie yesterday all over the place, playing different positions. Okay, they were chasing the game late and through Nado up front, but um I think Tedesco's still a very good manager, and I think he'll figure it out. I think you know he might be making a few little errors here, but I think he's smart enough, and um, you know will think about things. and And his comments after the game indicated that you know he took it on himself, and I'm sure. Um, you know, he, he, he might keep it a bit more simple and, and he hinted that they'll do what they do best. Um, <laughs> whatever that is, but, um, I just don't think this squad is that good. I think they overachieved last season and took advantage of some of the other sides that, 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 that underachieved. I don't think this squad, I I'm not really feeling that much love for, for Christian Heidel as, as much as other people are. Um, I don't think they'll get out of this group. I think they've got a really tough, uh, run of fixtures. I think Porto, from what I saw, will, will, will beat them uh, in the first game, and then they've got to play two games uh, on the road—tough games in, in Moscow and uh, in Istanbul. That's not going to be easy. Um, and of course, even in the Bundesliga, they have to go to Munchen Gladbach next, and then uh, host Bayern Munich. So it's an ugly run of fixtures—the next three. And to be honest, from what I saw, they struggle to win to win any of them. So cut it short. I think Tedesco is still a very good manager, and he'll figure it out. But this squad isn't as good as people think. And, you know, you saw with, with Bubba; he was basically booed off the pitch yesterday. He had, he had a bit of a shocker. Uh, Mendel won't take long to come in and uh, and take over the left-back spot. But, um, yeah, without going on too much, I just think they're a little bit overrated personnel-wise, Schalke.
1: Well, Manu, let's go to you for a quick yes or no Will Schalke get through their Champions League group? Uh,
2: Yes, they will.
1: Nice answer. Okay, we're going to talk about the uh, German national side now. Manu, we'll we'll go back to you. Um, A few surprises in this squad ahead of a game against uh, France and then Peru.
2: Yeah, I don't want to get into that too much because, of course, we're almost out of time, right, Bryce? But yeah, a few. um, Although Matt called that Nico Schultz would be included. Good for you, Matt. You got that right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Kilo I think is a great addition as well. Um, Kai Havertz, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Glad to see Niels Patterson back. I think he really deserves another look. Um, I think. Why? I th- because he's a, he's a, he's, he's the striker in the center that Timo Werner needs to play with. And we're going to, st- that, that team will go 3-5-2, Matt. They will not longer play the style of football that they shouldn't have played at the World Cup either. I, I think Leuve made a big mistake by going from 3-5-2, which he used at the Confed Cup to 4-2-3-1 at the World Cup. Uh, they, they were, they were just found out. And, uh, maybe to talk about these, um, nations, UEFA Nations League, a lot of people in Germany are saying they could get relegated from that. I think they'll, they'll comfortably finish second behind France. France is, of course, a great, <laughs> great, great side, but I think this is still a very good team. This is a, this is a team that should have probably done a lot better at the World Cup had it not been for all that side noise that was going on in the squad. I was at the World Cup and I was at uh was following the German national team quite closely throughout the tournament. And I think they were outdone not by talent, but by all the things that were going on in the dressing room and around the club. And of course, Joachim Löw, not focusing on his job, but
4: on everything else. Yeah, I expect Germany to beat France. It's basically a glorified friendly. Germany motivated to repair some damage from oh, uh, from the World answer. Cup, <laughs> and France, you know, you know they'll come and as the world champions, they're missing their goalkeeper, which is a big loss, Hugo Lloris. Um, yeah, I expect France to roll over and have their tummy tickled. Germany to win comfortably, and everyone. You know, happy, joyous, and free again about the brilliant Yogi Love and the German national team, or even Die Mannschaft. Oh, no, not Die Mannschaft.
2: That's, that <laughs> needs to go. But, um, that's, Bryce, that's Mark's tip. Just.
1: Yeah, you heard it here <laughs> first, ladies and gentlemen.
2: I'm, I'm not convinced that they're going to just roll over France. I saw France at a lot of the games in the World Cup. Um, I, I do think that this is a game that's level. I, I, Germany were not as bad as their result was at the World Cup. I think that if everything would have gone normal, this team should have still, um, competed for winning the trophy or defending the trophy. It's just things didn't go normal. But, um, I'm not convinced that France will just roll over. Sorry, Mark.
4: Well, uh, I think Germany, Germany will win comfortably. How's that?
2: That sounds, I'll take your, I'll take your bet. I'm happy with it.
1: (laughs) And and guys, I think that's a great place to end the podcast. I think we've managed to cover plenty today, especially with two fantastic um, guests on here joining Manu and I. But um, guys, um, let's just go to Matt first. Matt, uh, where can people find you on the likes of Twitter or online? Or what would you like to draw people's attentions to that you may have coming up in the next few weeks?
3: Um, yeah, just follow me on, on Twitter, noobscorp with a Z in the middle. Um, I'll be hitting quite a few games, doing some, some major kilometers in, in the Toyota. So, um, yeah, loving it. And, uh, if you're interested in any of that stuff, jump on and, uh, you'll find me also on the, on the football grad network, writing some stuff after games and, um, yeah, that's all happening.
1: Yeah, you certainly will. If you go to App Football Grad Live, I'm sure you'll see uh, plenty of uh, Matt's videos and and much more. Uh, Mark, it's always a pleasure having you on. Um, it's always so much fun, even just to hear you and Manu go at it. You know, I, I sit back, put my feet up, and enjoy it. If I do say so. Um, Mark, what would you like to um, possibly draw people's attention to, or where can people find your work online?
4: I'd just like to clarify, I'll put my fee for appearing on this illustrious podcast, I'll put it on Germany to beat France, okay, with um, Manu's permission, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can still find me on uh, ESPN, writing the odd piece about Bayern Munich, and I'm also freelancing for other outlets at the moment, and always looking, looking for work to pay for some nappies.
1: nice work okay Manu what have you got going on there's always plenty going on across the Football Grad Network
2: yeah um, I just finished actually a big in-depth article on Tyler Adams heading to RB Leipzig that's actually not on Football Grad Network that's on my full-time gig at brosoccerusa.com so if you're interested in that go over there and check it out Um, on the Football Grad Network we have previews for the national team games there's uh, previews as a preview on what the UEFA Nations League actually is. It's a bit more than a glorified friendly. You can actually qualify for the Euros um by, by winning it. So that's all explained over on Fußballstadt. And then the um the, we have preview previews on the Russia, Ukraine and Germany game and a few others
1: that will all come up this week. Fantastic, always plenty going on, as I said. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11 Enjoy the international break, if you can, uh, and we'll speak to you rather soon. I'll Ich war seit Wochen
0: Auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt Als wär's ein Rhythmus Als gäb's ein Lied Das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht Kommen dir entgegen